Film Pulse is supported by the kind donations from listeners like you. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse for just $1 a month and help keep the podcast on the air. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 263. My name is Adam Patterson. We're joined today by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Uh, pretty good. Good. Hope everyone had a solid holiday weekend. How was yours? Uh, pretty good. Yeah? Do fun, fun Labor Day related festivities? Yes, I labored in the yard. Oh yeah? Bunch of yard work. Labored on Labor Day? That's right. I laid around like a lazy bum. Ooh. I finished nice. finished Twin Peaks. Jerk. Caught that Twin Peaks finale. Woo! We'll talk about it someday when you get caught up. I don't know if I'll ever make it. I don't think so either. I, I, I really don't. Three years from now, we're going to be on like episode 300 something of this show. And you're going to be like, well, I finished Twin Peaks this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Took you three years. Uh, it might happen. It might happen. Mm-hmm. This week on the show, we'll be talking about the work of director Toby Hooper. Going to do a little retrospective on the uh, famed horror director. The mini one. Yeah, who unfortunately passed away last week. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Fun House from 1981. Spontaneous Combustion from 1990, and a little-known Toby Hooper movie called Poltergeist that came out in 1982. So we got two two relatively obscure titles in there, and then one huge one, probably his biggest or second biggest. Yeah. Have you? Is this yeah. like a first-time watch for Poltergeist? <laughs> uh, pretty much. Okay. I mean, this is one of those movies that I saw a long time ago, but essentially. I remember nothing from it except the television. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, also be, we'll also be going over some new releases uh, in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for tuning in. So let's dive straight into the work of Toby Hooper. So maybe we should just start with... Because uh, I watched some other stuff of his this week as well. So we'll get into that at the end and then maybe just kind of go through his filmography and talk about some other stuff he did. Uh, Let's start it with Poltergeist. So Toby Hooper is probably most known for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but uh, he also did Poltergeist, which I think a lot of people just assume Steven Spielberg directed Poltergeist. I kind of... Because when we discussed this and I was looking through his stuff, I forgot that he directed this. Yeah. Uh, it. So with Polter, Poltergeist, is kind of an interesting movie. When you see it, it feels very much like a Steven Spielberg film. It's written by Spielberg. It's produced by him. He's like a creative. He had, he had sort of uh, creative control over it. But the reason that Spielberg didn't produce or uh, direct it, rather, is because he was contractually obligated to prevent it. His contract for E.T. prevented him from directing a movie while working mm. on E.T. So basically, he enlisted Toby Hooper to direct this movie. He couldn't just wait? I guess not. I guess he <laughs> just really wanted to make this movie. Because, I mean, E.T. came out the same year, so... Yeah, it seems odd. You'd think that he could just kind of hang on a little bit. but Yeah, I guess not. So, this is... Even in IMDb, it says Steven Spielberg uncredited under the directors. I just noticed that. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think he actually... I don't think Spielberg actually directed it. I think that he was... Just had a lot of creative control over it. And I'm sure Toby Hooper was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, you're Steven Spielberg. You want to make some suggestions? I mean, it seems like it's very much his movie. So anyway, I have a synopsis here. A family's home is haunted by a host of ghosts. That's what it says? That's what it says. (laughs) Straight to the point. Yeah. This stars Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams. Uh, Heather O'Rourke is the, the little girl, Carol Ann. Now... This movie, Poltergeist, is pr- 
probably one of my all-time favorite horror movies. This is a horror movie that I can come back to again and again and just endlessly rewatch this movie. I I do rewatch it every couple of years just because it's it's that perfect like it's a, it's a solid horror movie but it's got that that Amblin style to it that I I feel like it fits in so perfectly and I absolutely love this movie. So we'll start with you Kevin. Having not seen it for many years, not remembering anything about it, what's your take on revisiting Poltergeist? Oh man, this movie's great. I love it so much. The uh, the effects I thought were top notch. Good, and I love how it just kind of like just jumps right in, just straight to it. And then mm-hmm. this, you know, like there's so many. And that was the other thing that kind of reminded me of like all these, you know haunted house movies that we see nowadays they're all just ripping off of this one oh yeah constantly oh, over yeah. and over again and it's just really interesting when you think of those movies now how how much time they spend getting to the good stuff where this is just right off the bat tv right it just jumps straight into it mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we just hit the ground running and it just it has it has everything that it does it does so well like it it is creepy like it and it i love how it escalates because there's a certain point where you're kind of like okay i have i have like a handle on this i have i kind of know what to expect Mm -hmm. from here on out but then it just it takes it up another notch which i wasn't 100 100 expecting right it just kind of goes goes crazy with it and I guess I should I should point out spoiler territory for all the movies that we're going to talk about today. These are all decades. Yeah, the these are all decades old movies, so we will be spoiling the bulk of them. So the thing that th- there was a false ending in this, which I thought was great. That's like one of my favorite things. How you you have this like false sense of security because it feels like you had a big climax, like you had the big <laughs> thing, like. Like, the, they went into the void, you know, and brought her back. And you think that everything is over. They're getting, they're selling the house. They're getting out of there. And you think the movie's over. But no, it's not over. And that that leads yeah. to one of my, the real climax, which is awesome. It's insane. It's insane. That's what I mean. Like, once they, you know, once they have the the, the paranormal people come and, you know, and they're kind of like, oh, we had... You know, that guy's talking about how a matchbox car over the course of seven hours, like, traveled across the floor or whatever. And Craig T. Nelson's just like, oh, oh yeah, okay. You know, and they show the room. It's like, you think kind of at that point, like, okay, this is what it is. The room is kind of like the, the center point for all this energy. There's things happening. And it's essentially going to be that. But you're right, where the, you have that crescendo. And you're like, okay, this that's the end of the movie. All right. That's kind of how I figured it would go. But then everything that happens after that, just, just kind of like it comes back. And when it comes back again, it takes it to another level. Yep. Everything gets (laughs) escalated. And that's the other thing that I like about this movie so much is that it subverts a lot of the tropes. Like a lot of the things, a lot of the kind of scare moments happen during the day you know like the kitchen scene is one of my favorites when with the chairs on the table like a lot of the things happen during the daytime and then the other thing is like a lot of these movies are people trying to convince other people that this is something that's real and that's never something that they really grapple with in this movie like it's always very clear right from the start and anybody that they bring into the house like you mentioned that scene with the paranormal investigators. They just open the door and they immediately see it. Like shit is just flying around and it's yeah. chaos. So yeah. that that's well, the even, other thing I like about this movie so much. Yeah, that's something that I like as well, especially when Craig T. Nelson first comes home. And now, you know, his wife is dealing with this stuff, has been all day, you know, while he was at work. And when... The, that's the other thing that I kind of like is that when when he gets home and she kind of shows him what's behind, like she's not completely freaked out or just like lost it. She's kind of like giddy. Yeah, she's like excited. She's been, like exper- she's been experimenting all day. <laughs> and, you know, and she kind of just right off the bat shows it to him. And there's nowhere like, 
you know, nothing happens. And of course, now he thinks that she's crazy or anything like that. No, it immediately happens. He buys in immediately. And and you're right. Like every time it's introduced to someone, it's just automatic buy-in. And they're like, okay. And there's we don't waste any of time with that. There's no time wasted in, you know, setting up the house or setting up the family. It just jumps straight in to the poltergeisting. And there's no time wasted on trying to, you know, talk people into this being real. It's just immediate. So right. there's no time wasted in any of this. It's just full-on poltergeisting the whole time. Yeah. The other thing that I think sets this movie apart from so many others like it is the, the script. I think that the dialogue in this movie is so on point. It's so many of the lines in this movie are, are so just kind of nuanced, almost throwaway lines, but they give you this sense of this is a, this is a real family, you know, and they have kind of almost meaningless conversations that are included. And there's like just small things that they include in this movie that I feel like they go such a long way in making us care about these characters. I just love the script in this movie. I think it's one of the best aspects of the whole film because it's it's smart and it's funny and it's natural and it it makes it it gives it kind of that Amblin feel again where it's like um it's not a family film but it it kind of feels like it, yeah it, gives, it, it does have a wholesome quality to it even though you know there's trees trying to eat little boys and i'll say that the corpses the, the comedy in this movie actually really holds up. I think all the humor holds up. One, one scene that I sort of forgot about since I saw it last was the scene when they go to the neighbor's house to see if, (laughs) if the neighbor is having weird, which is another thing, which I never understood why it was just their home that was having the problems. Like why wouldn't other people in the neighborhood have issues too? I mean, they all sort of do at the end, but yeah, well, and that was one thing that I was thinking too, because especially towards the end, once the whole neighborhood kind of comes out to where it's like, there's always like ridiculously loud noises. There's all this electrical energy, flashing lights, and no one in the neighborhood is like, okay, what's going on? Like this family's always running around screaming and trying to save their children. Like what the hell's going on in this neighborhood? But well, they, they, It does finally happen at the end. Yeah, the neighbor scene when they're getting bit by the mosquitoes. Like, they didn't have to put that in there. It was just a funny thing that well, happens yeah, in suburban I, life, you know? Yeah, and I love how much of a dick that guy is. That he has to go out of his way to be like, not only has he never been bitten in his life by mosquitoes, his whole family has never been bitten by mosquitoes. Yeah. Like, such a dick thing. Yeah. I love the house imploding effect. At the end, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I don't know how they really did that, but that that effect holds up to this oh, day. Do I think, especially the the second round, the like um, <clears throat> outside the kid's door, the mm-hmm. the white like spider skeleton thing. Yeah, that I looks. Yeah, that looks really shit. good. Yeah, of course the clown scene, the the infamous clown scene. Yeah, that hasn't been ripped off at all. I know, right? I completely forgot it. Well, I forgot a lot about it, this movie. But when the when the one guy gets his, where he kind of like rips his face off. Yeah. Good lord. Plus, that was just a that's a weird scene too, where he's just like, I'm gonna get something to eat. It's like midnight, right? And he just pulls out a big ass steak. Like I'm just gonna cook up this steak real quick. And he was, just, and he was eating the chicken with it too. So it's like he's just, he's just gonna... he just slaps it down on a. On the countertop, it's gonna plate load, yeah, gonna load up on some protein there. Plus, I mean, that's the kind of thing, you know, that's a bit rude. Don't you think? Like you come into someone's house, like I can understand eating a chicken wing, maybe eating some Cheetos, taking a bag of chips, something like that. But to take a big ass steak like that and just yeah, start cooking, that, that was probably gonna be their dinner for the next night. Yeah, that's a meal. That's a whole meal for a whole family. And I also enjoyed that that guy gets bit, and they're immediately like. He's not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, nope. He's, He's had enough. The, He's not the face back. ripping off was <laughs> just like, nope. 
This movie's this movie's still rated PG. Uh, it wasn't re-rated, so this came out before the PG thirteen rating existed. Mm, okay. So it was originally rated R, and they it was appealed, and it got a PG rating on appeal. So yeah, uh, kids can still check this movie out. It is completely inappropriate for children. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'd say teenagers nowadays, though. I'd say teenagers can check it out easily, but I think this is pretty scary for young kids, especially considering yeah, movies like The Conjuring, which get an R rating and have less. Don't even come close to this. Yeah, they have a lot less graphic imagery than this movie, and they get rated R just because of the (laughs) horror. That movie doesn't have shit. Did you see Especially the compared... Did you see the Conjuring? I saw, I saw the Conjuring. It was fucking garbage. I like the first Conjuring. I like the second one more. I think. I think I saw the second too. Maybe I don't know. Those all kind of bleed together. They do, don't they? But there's only one Poltergeist. Like this movie, you're not. There, it doesn't run the risk of getting this one mixed up with all those other ones. So yeah, it, there's so many. There's so many great effects in this too. Like the tree. Everything with the tree, yeah, the ghost, everything that they do with the freaking corpses at the end. I like this scene. I just like the scene towards the beginning when they're they're hanging out in their room smoking pot. <laughs> like it just felt that 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 scene felt so kind of out of place to me. Yeah, but, oh, I, but man, I loved the scene it. Where she had the, uh, where she like goes up the side of the wall and then she's on the ceiling. Oh yeah, that the the rotating room. Everything getting sucked into the cloud. I mean, there's so much great stuff in this movie. There's not really any, you know, this movie's like two hours long, but there's really no, there's not that much dead time. Yeah, there's not a lot of fluff in this. There's always something cool happening. Great performances all around as well. Um, yeah, Poltergeist definitely, definitely a classic, a horror classic, I would say. So yeah, because I, I mean, if you think about it, and I'm doing that right now. Trying to think of like it's it's something that I didn't like about it or negative about it, and I don't know if I can really come up with anything. No, to me this is this is like ten out of ten material for me. I I absolutely love this movie. I've always loved this movie, and it's just hard to be beat as far as ghost story movies. And I can't. I mean, I guess it. I guess part of it is that kind of Amblin charm that I just the thing that I love so much about Jaws and ET. It's 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 present in this, and it just feels so good. I mean, it's got that, you know, this movie came out before we were born, but at the same time, it really kind of taps into to my childhood. Like, it makes me feel nostalgic for that time in my life as well. Yeah. Copious <laughs> amounts of Star Wars uh, <laughs> placement. Kids were obsessed with yeah. Darth Vader. Jeez. Yeah, the kid loved, loved Star Wars. I just loved the... The kind of twist at the end too because even like halfway through you, you figure it out you know and he's like oh we, well we you know we did it before we moved the right we moved the cemetery and you're like oh okay that's what it is i figured that's what it was but okay but then they have the you know where craig t nelson's flipping out like you know they just moved the headstones i mean and that's just kind of like it comes up at the end and they kind of go off but like the to sit and actually think about that that's really fucked up yeah it's fucked up but it's 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 an explanation that they didn't even really need to do like by the by the, it gets to that point you're already in, so invested in it you're just like whatever you know well and also it's just it's so easy to believe unfortunately exactly <laughs> you're just like yeah i can see him doing that yep any final thoughts on poltergeist uh this is one that um i have a feeling it's gonna gonna get like in the annual rotation yeah it's it's definitely one of these movies there's there's not a lot of movies that i can just re-watch endlessly but this is definitely one of them where it's just never not entertaining to watch i never nothing ever feels droll or boring to me while watching this movie it's always fresh i think maybe that's because there's such a variety of things happening and the the pace is just so on point that it it's just a joy to watch every time I sit down to watch it. So okay. yeah, Poltergeist definitely recommend. Let's move on and talk about the Funhouse. So this this came out before Poltergeist came out in 1981, 
Uh, I have a synopsis here. Four teenage friends spend the night in a carnival funhouse and are stalked by a deformed man in a Frankenstein mask. I was a little disappointed in this movie. I was pretty excited to um, to go into it. I was like, "Oh man, f- a fun house! Kids trapped in a fun house. This this is crazy. It sounds it sounds yeah. like it's batshit." Kind of into it, uh, but I was a little let down with this. This is the movie that came out right before Poltergeist. This is, this is the movie he directed before moving on to to that one. And to me, it was just kind of average uh, as far as the eighties slasher movies go the early 80s slasher movies not not a lot going on here like the um it had it had some interesting moments but for the most part i just had a really hard time getting past the fact that this is supposed to be a traveling carnival and they're in this like labyrinth of a fun house that has like multiple floors and this 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 fun house has been here for decades like that is not a traveling fun house there's just no way I mean, and I had such a hard time getting past that. The amount of time it would take to to assemble that. I know. I mean, it's it's this this place is huge. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it seems like they'd have to dig dig underground. Like they'd have to dig a basement every time (laughs) everywhere they go. (laughs) Maybe they do. Maybe they have like a a team of people that do foundations that'll come into town. You know, a couple weeks beforehand. Yeah. Set up that foundation. Maybe. Maybe. Take someone to assemble this fun house. I just thought it was a lot of it felt very familiar. Like the the opening sequence was basically ripped right out of John Carpenter's Halloween with the uh the first person thing. I mean it's kind of a riff on it where it turned out yeah. to be the brother. But then immediately I'm like, Oh my god, why why is this girl seemingly like she's okay with her brother just walking in? I would freak out. She, I, I feel like she didn't. She didn't act accordingly to that. Where yeah, her brother yeah. just walks in while she's taking a shower, completely nude, and like pretends to stab her with a with a fake knife or whatever. Yeah, she's just like, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah. Her reaction was a bit odd. Yeah, I feel like their their relationship was a little bit inappropriate. And then so so they go to the fun house. Her and her friends, they go to the fun house. They they go to spend the night there. And for some reason, the the little brother decides to follow them and I guess spy on them. But the whole thing is like nothing happens with that storyline with the brother. Yeah. Like it just doesn't go anywhere. Interesting. Like I thought, oh, they're gonna meet up at some point. Like he's gonna ca- get caught and then the sister's gonna have to save him or something, but it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I was kinda I was kind of confused by that as well. I mean, the only thing that it did enable, which was probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie visually, and just the way that it was put together is when she's like behind the, uh, the exhaust fan and how she's screaming out yeah. and the way that it would cut back and forth between that. I thought was one of the highlights of the film. One thing that I, yeah, you're right. It's just like, okay, what are we doing with this kid? Yeah. One thing I've learned from kind of, binging these Toby Hooper movies over the last uh, couple days is he, he does a lot of really interesting things with lighting. Like a lot of his lighting choices are really interesting. And I guess I never really noticed that before kind of watching a whole bunch of his movies together. Yeah. I think he, oh, yeah. I think he does a lot of really cool stuff with lighting, which yeah, it's much easier to pick up on that stuff when you're doing one after another. Yeah. Uh, so what'd you think of the fun house? Uh, I'm kind of like you. I was really excited going in. Like this was the one I was most excited about. Um, Got awesome poster too. Yeah, and just the idea of it. Like it's just it's perfect, right? Like it's it just it sounds like everything you want. Um, but like you said, I was kind of let down. It was it the the funhouse did seem extremely elaborate to the point where like they just couldn't get out of there. And they spend so much time trying to get out, and there's also not a whole lot going on. <laughs> like they just, they just can't seem to get out of there. But there's a lot of time also spent where they're just kind of like slowly walking around, and it's like that fun house cannot be that big. Yeah. Like there's, you gotta know where the exits are. There's gotta be at least three or four exits. Just get out. Yeah, and but I mean the one thing that the. Uh, 
couple things that I did like. I did like the the choice of having Kevin Conway be all the 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 carnival barkers. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was a great idea. Um, the he's a great like carnival barker, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he truly is. <laughs> the uh, the the exhaust fan scene that I talked about before. The other exhaust fan scene with the the other girl that gets what happens there when she meets her demise. I thought that that was the way that that was filmed was fantastic. Um, the other thing that I kind of noticed with Toby Hooper movies <clears throat> is between watching these three is they all seem to be about families in one way or another. It's always like an emphasis on families. And even though there's this, um, which is the, one of the main things that I didn't like about this movie was the, the Frankenstein uh-huh. kid. Yeah. Or, I don't know how old he was, but what you know when he takes off his mask and stuff, it was just kind of like, oh, uh, what? Well, I thought it was interesting that he, <laughs> he did much. the way that they designed that was basically a cross between the the two deformed cows that they saw. It, the, like, so he had like the cleft palate with the underbite thing, and then also like looked like it was two heads fused yeah. into one. But, yeah, and it was the it was the grown up version of the fetus yeah said that that was his brother or whatever and i mean when he kind of got revealed that's where it kind of lost me you know what i mean i was just kind of like oh okay it's gonna be this now um but the you know there wasn't um there wasn't this like animosity or you know um like making fun of carnival workers and stuff you know which you would probably see in a lot of other films where you, people would, you know, these kids would just be making fun of them constantly. Well, they did. They did sort Cons. of like when they went to the fortune teller. I was like, yeah, but, but I mean, that was kind of tame. Yeah, it was like they, they were basically just, just like laughing. Yeah, they're basically just yeah. laughing the whole time. But I was like, that is so, that is so disrespectful. I'm like, if I was that lady, I just I would kick their asses out immediately. I did. I did that was another one of my favorite parts of the movie is the way that she responds. Yeah. <laughs> She screams at that break every fucking bone in your body. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the guy in the glasses was a piece of shit, and I couldn't wait. Like, my my sole focus was to see him meet his demise. <laughs> I hated that guy so much. And as someone, that, as someone that constantly, over and over again, drops their lighter out of their breast pocket, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> as soon as he was, like, leaning over, I'm like, you don't need to lean over, man. What are you? What are you trying to see? You're gonna drop that lighter and drop that lighter. He did. I was hoping that he would get killed in a cooler way, but it, I didn't. That was kind of. I didn't think it was that cool. He just got hung, and then I, I liked that there was the little cherry on top with his buddy driving the axe into his head. But he was already dead by that point anyway. So yeah, but still, that was kind of. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I know, like a lot of the scenes in this movie felt like they could have gotten out of the situation that they were in. Like, I feel like a lot of the, the people, the victims, they just kind of stand there and let it happen to them. And it it proved to be frustrating. There were multiple scenes where I was just like, just leave. You're standing there screaming, just run, (laughs) just get out of there run out, run away. What are you doing? You're just standing there. Yeah. Especially the towards, there's a scene at the end when the, the, the one guy, kills uh kills kevin conway with the sword and then the other guy comes and she just like stands there and just doesn't do anything as this is happening yeah well even him when the deformed guy shows up and he's like oh no what happened to my i guess that was his dad it's like oh what happened what happened it's like just push the dude into the sword yeah exactly he has he has your back to you just push another guy into a sword it worked the first time Try it again. Yeah, exactly. But he's like, no, I'll wait until deformed guy turns around. Then we can face each other. I don't know if maybe there's like, you know, unwritten rules. Maybe. And they're fighting. Maybe. They wanted to be fair, but he got wrecked. So (laughs) he missed opportunity. Should have pushed him in his sword, dumbass. He did get wrecked. And I do, I do like how the guy, after he killed him, took the time to put him on the (laughs) dummy and then send the dummy down the. Yeah, which is that? I mean, that's kind of fucked up too. It's like not only because he's like, I have to let her know that I killed him, 
how can I do this? I mean, he could have just dragged him out behind him, but no, he he adorns him, he poses him, and then sends out. I mean, that it's a classic slasher move. It's a it it's is. a it's like a Jason Michael Myers type move. But that guy wasn't that smart either. Nah. Like when he killed, pushed the Kevin Conway into the sword, then he's like, oh, he's probably got keys on him, right? And then he stands directly in front of the sword to pat him down. Like there's a sword, all right? Right. Stand off to the side of it. Exactly. Because you're going to get that sword in you. That guy was let, you would, That guy was pretty much a douchebag, too. The whole, the, the whole time, I'm like, why is she dating this guy? Because he's, he's a complete douche. I think, at least I thought, compared to a lot of other slasher movies, these like four individuals weren't that bad. They're not as like, bad as some. They got any glasses, but, I mean, they weren't, like, out-and-out assholes. no. You're just like, God, I can't wait until you get killed. They're annoying, but not nearly as bad as some some slasher movies. That's That I will agree with. In the end, I thought that this was just an average slasher yeah. movie. It wasn't any it wasn't horrible. Like I, I enjoyed I enjoyed my time with it. There were some cheesy, kind of funny moments. Uh, but overall just a little bit uh middle of the road for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fun house from nineteen eighty one. Let's talk about spontaneous combustion. Now, this is one that I don't even know if I heard of, even heard of this one before watching it. This came out in 1990. I have a synopsis here. A young man finds out that his parents had been used in an atomic weapons experiment shortly before he was born and that the results have had some unexpected effects on him. The star's Brad Dourif. Oh, yeah. Chucky himself. Brad Dourif. This is an interesting one. Uh, why don't you start us off with spontaneous combustion? Believe it or not, this movie is fucking awesome. <laughs> I love this movie. This movie is so damn good. And Brad Dourif is fucking great in it. Oh, my God. Now, the only thing, like, the effects, right? They're not that great. I thought some of the pyro effects were awesome. Like I, I thought so, too. I mean, there's a, there's a certain couple of spots where it's a little... They're a little sketchy. Yeah. But I think overall for the time, you know, 1990, for what they're trying to do in this movie, I mean, there's a shit ton of pyrotechnics yeah. in this movie. I, I thought that some of them, like, especially the ones where, like, the head, where, the where like, the fire comes up on the head, the thing that I loved about it was how quickly and intensely the fire would just erupt. It would just be like, fine. Then it'd be like, uh, and then it was just like, Boosh! <laughs> just like nonsense. It was like a fucking blowtorch just came up from his shirt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, and considering, you know, I can't imagine that he had much of a, a, a budget for this one. And he just, he goes for it. And to me, it is out of the, out of the three that we watched, it's by far the most interesting story-wise, you know, the whole, the whole setup of it and everything. To me, it's, by far the most interesting. Um, it's not as polished, obviously, as Poltergeist, but I just I love what it does. It just it just goes for it, and Brad Dourif is just completely in. Yeah, he is all in. Balls he to is the wall. Going, <laughs> he's going nuts, and I love when he starts realizing, like, like when he first starts combusting, and just the way that he reacts, and the you know as he's discovering like what what his powers are, what his abilities are, and just the way that it continues to escalate. And he is just, he is losing it. Like he's on the verge of an aneurysm 24 seven. And just, there's a lot of moments too, where like he has, he's able to, you know, combust people and whatnot when he gets angry. Right. But I love that a lot of the times what he's getting angry at really isn't that. No, he gets worked up over (laughs) The smallest things. <laughs> like when he when he when he uh, when he ignites uh, John Landis. Yeah, John Landis. <laughs> it's just like, how is he? You know, he needs to be a little more understanding in that situation. Like he, he John Landis doesn't know. Right. He can't give you that information. Just chill out. But he fucking loses it. Yep. Yeah. I thought that the. Like you, I thought that the premise was really interesting. When I read the synopsis, I was like, that sounds odd. Where, like, how are they going to go? Like, okay, a guy spontaneously... Com- like, where are they going to go with this? This is... 
I don't understand how they can turn this into a feature film, but it goes to some really interesting places. I like the idea that his parents were part of this crazy experiment. And you think that at first they're testing out uh, like the, a bomb shelter thing and this anti-radiation drug, but it turns out that they're like being turned into human weapons and the, how, how he can, I don't know how he can make other people combust really, but it was a cool, that was a cool idea too. And then especially towards the end when he starts to be able to control it, especially because yeah, once he, just, once he can control it, everybody's fucked. Yeah. I mean, he goes off. It's insane. And plus the, the whole conspiracy of it too. Right. How like everyone he knows is somehow attached to this, to this program. Yeah. They've been watching him since he was born basically. And setting up every, so it has this like, there's like this Truman show yeah. aspect to it. Yeah. <laughs> And the the, the the thing that initially drew it to me me to this film was because um, I remember the 90s where spontaneous human combustion was like a thing. Yeah. I remember there being like shows about it yeah. and stuff yeah. where they like they investigate spontaneous human combustion. It was like that cult. You know, the 90s were such a weird fucking time, weren't they? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. It makes sense that there's a movie about spontaneous combustion and just the way the way that it's handled and the way that he just loses it especially that scene with the cops <laughs> he he gets shot as he's driving away yeah and he just turns around and it's like it's again he needs to be a little more understanding here like he essentially exploded of course the cops are gonna show up mm-hmm. then he lights a guy on fire for no reason really I mean, it was a cop, but lights him on fire. And then he's just like, I'm driving away. And then he gets shot and he's like, he gets all pissed off. And it's like, what do you think the other cop's going to do, man? But man, does he roast his ass. Yeah. Well, we don't know what his comfort level is here. See, the way I look at it is he's in probably agonizing pain the entire time. And you get cranky. You know, I I know that whenever I, when I get a headache, I get very irritable. I I lash out. thing too. He has the migraines. Yeah, on top he has of the this. migraines. Yep. That's just he is he's got a lot of anger issues. He's just pissed off. I'd like to Almost talk the about the 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 girl's house and the awesome. the phone. <laughs> when she first picks up that phone, I'm like I just start laughing and I'm like, what the hell is that? It's this giant purple light up phone. It looks it looks like a joke when you see this thing. And then you realize... Uh, her, her whole house is like Yeah, that. and then you realize her whole house is like that. She has giant light-up neon everything in this house. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I also like when she is first trying to console him, and she goes, it's okay, my parents burned to death too. Like, it's just a normal <laughs> thing. <laughs> It's okay. My parents burned to death too. And <laughs> just love his reaction too. Why would you say that? Yeah. My parents drowned. It's <laughs> like, so, no, they didn't. Uh, the, I don't know if it was intentional, but I thought that Brad Dourif's line delivery was so funny. Like there were, yeah. there were so many reactions that he had in this movie that made me laugh. Well, and I don't know. And I don't know if I, it was intentional or not, but man. It works. Well, that's what I love about it, too, is to me, it's funny because it feels, I mean, it's it's hard to say how realistic it would be if you figured out that you're a nuclear man that's essentially a weapon and can spontaneously human combust and make other people ignite into flames. How, you know, what's the actual normal response to that? But it felt like a real reaction, the way that he, you know, where everything's kind of, he's confused He's angry. He's irritable, which makes sense. Like the guy just wants to live his life and just shit just keeps happening. He's unearthing this conspiracy, which he had no idea about. He wasn't even really digging into it. It just kind of came up because she's like, my parents burned to death too. And he's like, wait, hold up. And then, if you know, she's also like, yeah, I know all the doctors that, you know, I know all those people. Yeah. And he's just, you know, like how, how fresh is their relationship? That they're just getting to it now. 
because it seemed like it was they were pretty deep in that relationship. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't and, really clear on that. It, I mean, he's got to deal with his ex wife, and his finger starts igniting like blowtorch. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, it just it just felt real the way that he responded. He's just he's exhausted. He's exasperated. He's just you know. And I just, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I like the the way that it ignited, too. Like, especially when his arms started going off. Because, like, <laughs> it, it it didn't, it wasn't like it caught, like, the surface of his body caught on fire. It came from within. So, basically, mm-hmm. it was just, like, exploding out of his body. Yeah. So, there'd be, like, it's- holes that form in his arms and just explode fire. And I love when yeah. it first happens to his arm and they... They try to, they fill a bathtub with water and put it in there. And she goes, that's making it worse. <laughs> and somehow the water intensifies it. It's just, yeah, like nothing. <clears throat> it seems like nothing can stop it, really. Because I love that at the end, too, where she starts having it happen. Oh, man. The, the scene at the, the other end. The girl spraying <laughs> spray her down. She's like, that's making it worse. And that girl just cold as ice is like, yeah, I know. Yeah. She's like, that's the plan. <laughs> That when it happens to her at the end and her arm just goes off and it, it just seems like it's never ending. She's just spraying fire for like 15 minutes. It seems it's just not going out. It just never ends. Yeah. It's just, man, I did not think going into this one that this movie would be so fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah I had a, I had a blast with this one. I really did. I, I think it's, I it's definitely, one of his to watch. Uh, it, it's I would call it a B movie, but man, is it it is fun. Is it a good B movie? Oh, yeah. So that's spontaneous combustion. Check it out. You got it. Fantastic yeah. performance by Brad Dourif. Completely over the top. <laughs> oh, it's just oh my god. And that ending is the ending was utterly ridiculous. The, the like the, the also, beam of light. And I'm like, what? I also like. The fact that I don't understand any of that. No. Like, it's such a clusterfuck at the end, yeah. and then it's just credits. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I, it, yeah, it, it, none of it makes sense. The beam of light and the him turning into, like, a puddle of, I guess, energy. Like, is, that, is that puddle of energy always there? Did he, like, That's just where he lives now. The Earth's That's core? just where he lives in a parking lot. Yeah, like is he fused into the asphalt? I don't know. These are questions that I wish were answered in spontaneous combustion too that was never made. I hope see, I hope someone's got to kick this off again. I think it'd be cool, but it would all be like CG fire everywhere and it'd probably suck. Yeah, it would. All right, that's spontaneous combustion. Because <laughs> I just looked at the poster. Ah, the scene after the cops where I just love from that point on he's just he's so haggard and ragged and he's just smoldering the whole time yeah I like how he's just at some point his eye his like eye gets swollen shut (laughs) cause he gets so pissed off it's like like you said when the fire happens it's like it's like he has mini rocket boosters inside of him yeah so there's like a rocket booster beside behind his right eye <laughs> so his socket just fucking ignites and i love that he's just in the car he gets pissed off rocket booster goes off and then he's just it's done and then the rest of it, he's just smoldering and he's just so tired <laughs> not a lot of it makes sense either because like at the end all his hair is gone. Like he's completely combusted by the end. But throughout the throughout a lot of it, his hair doesn't get burned off or anything. Like he seems, it seems like the fire doesn't affect him. But then other other times, it seems like it really affects him. Yeah, that was same I with was the girl too. By that, confused by that as well. I don't know. I wouldn't change a thing though. He's the cleanest kill on earth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like how that's like. That's the thing. You're the cleanest kill. Like, what is that? Doesn't even like. I don't even understand. Like, I guess because they can kill people without anybody knowing, or like how? Yeah, igniting people. <clears throat> but again, you know, because it kind of did make that point where it's, you know, the uh, 
the first heart transplant, how long did that person right. live? So, like he's like the early state, like he's not full on weaponized. Yeah. Yet. Like there's still a lot of kinks to be worked out here. Well, that's, that's where the girl comes into play. Cause she, she, I guess was a more successful version of him. I guess. Yeah. Even though it didn't really seem like her, hers was a lot different. Cause after it kind of took effect in her, she had no, I mean, hers was just nonstop arm spewing <laughs> and she which was the other thing that i thought was funny how a lot of these people when they would combust like so many liquids and things would come out of their body like black Hell shit yeah. would just come out of everywhere and you're like what there's all sorts of stuff going on radioactive material yeah i also yeah. love the scene when they tried to kill the girl by injecting that glowing <laughs> stuff and it had a needle that was about a foot long and the guy just totally stabbed it all the way through her hand and ejected it into the floor. Oh, that was that was. I hilarious. mean, it was like it was like such a blunder. Like, what are you doing? You can't even inject her correctly with it. And why do you go for the forearm? Why do you go for the wrist? Yeah, like you could have just you, shot. Like her he in the knew back. how long that needle was. Why? Why stab it through back, her arm? Her back was turned to you. It's and, he, a lot and he stood there too. Like he stood there for a good 15, 20 seconds, just See, looming a, over her. That must, be, that must be a Toby Hooper thing. Oh, yeah. Because he had that in the fun house and they had it here where it's like, I'm going to give this person the opportunity. Yep. Like this isn't fair. <laughs> oh, my God. Spontaneous combustion. What a movie. What a movie. I want to watch this shit again. It, right yeah. It's, uh, it's a blast. No pun intended. It's, we got I want Ryan to see this. Yeah, we we could definitely add this to uh, to our Ryan list for sure. Uh, so that's spontaneous combustion, highly recommended from both of us. I saw a couple other Toby Hooper movies this week uh, that I'll briefly mention that uh, that I haven't seen. I don't know if I've. I, I feel like I've seen Invaders from Mars. This is one that I that I watched this week uh, from 1986. I don't remember a lot about it, so. I consider it a first-time watch, even if I did see it at some point. Basically, this is uh, sort of a um, it's a remake of a of a '50s movie, so it does kind of have that that aesthetic where it's sort of going for a uh, cheesy sci-fi vibe, and it's very much in a, a body snatchers riff where this kid discovers that there's a he sees a ufo land in his backyard sort of his backyard it's like a field behind his house and realizes that his the next morning his father's acting kind of weird and has this like open wound on his neck and seems very suspicious and then he starts to realize that more and more people are walking around acting funny with these uh, wounds on their neck and turns out that these aliens are taking over these people. And it's a, it's a really fun movie. Basically uh, he, he joins forces with his school's nurse played by Karen black and they kind of take on these aliens. But the, the funny thing is like they they're joined, they end up teaming up with the, with the government, like the army and NASA to take them down. It turns into this like giant war with the these really uh, cool-looking alien creatures. Uh, it's fun. I had a good time with it. I would definitely put that on your on your Hooper list. That sounds pretty good. The other one I watched was The Mangler. Uh, this, this movie is... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this came out in 1995. Uh, it's about a haunted laundry folding machine. And... You know, you read that synopsis and you're like, come on now. Haunted laundry folding machine, how's that work? Well, it's it's utterly ridiculous. That's how it works. It's the most <laughs> stupid thing. But I had a good time with it. It's it's bad. It's definitely one of his one of Hooper's less <laughs> well made movies. Robert England plays the the bad guy in it. And they loaded him up with old man makeup, which is absolutely horrible. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's another 
actor in it who they loaded up with old man makeup for some reason. Like, I don't even know why. Like, there was no reason for it. They just did it to do it, I guess. And it just didn't didn't work. Imagine uh, the Mangler sort of like uh, Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif's character in Spontaneous Combustion. Just think of that character, but Ted Levine from Silence of the Lambs and Shutter Island and all those. Uh, he was in Monk, mm-hmm. you know. Just imagine mm-hmm. that, him him taking on that role. He plays a detective who's trying to investigate. Basically what happens is the, the laundry folding machine kills an old woman and he's sort of investigating it to see if it was an accident or if something else is going on. And he starts to uncover the fact that this, this laundry folding machine, it's called a mangle, hence the mangler. Uh, mm. Cause it's also mangling people. Um, he discovers that this thing is like killed tons of people over the years. And that there's like this ancient curse associated with it where like the rich people, owners of the laundry have to sacrifice a virgin to it every so often. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really silly, but there's some pretty, yeah, there's some pretty fun moments. There's also a haunted freezer in it too, right. which, yeah, that should be mentioned. There is a haunted freezer and it, and Ted Levine beats the shit out of it. He, beat- he beats the shit out of a freezer. Oh my God. This sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel as though also, um, because you made a list for the mobity. Is that what we ended up calling? Yeah. The mob comedies? Yep. There should we we should uh someone should make a list of I need very specific inanimate objects that are haunted. So like the mangler or like deathbed. Sure. Pristine because that's the car. I and I want to see if we if if there's one for every Well, if you I look really at hope by the time I mean, the end of the end of cinema, I hope that we have a movie for every inanimate maximum overdrive has a lot of haunted stuff in it so i think maximum overdrive could take care of a lot of stuff like that has the haunted coke machine where it launches the the sodas at people and the turkey the turkey cutter the electric uh, carving knife that's haunted and the the army turret that's haunted maximum overdrive covers a lot of that stuff but there you go I'm sure that there's a list of on Letterbox of haunted objects, machines, and whatnot. I just know. If you would have asked me, you know, do you think there's a movie about a haunted laundry folding machine? I said, no, there's no way. There's no way that exists. Well, not only is there one, Kevin, there's actually three. There's two? There's three. There's three. (laughs) There's two sequels that came out. Um, The Mangler 2, I believe. I th- oh my god! Yeah, one of them. No, the the Mangler Two is it's not a um it's not a laundry folding machine. It's like a virus. Like a, a school gets the state of the art computer system and the entity or whatever the hell curse thing from the the original Mangler gets into this computer system. So basically, the whole school, like all the technology related objects in the school, get haunted. I want to see that, but I'm having a hard time finding it. And then the Mangler, the third one, I think it's called like Reborn or something like that. It's, uh, I think that's the original, that's the original uh, machine. Eventually what happens towards the end is the machine actually comes to life and it like yeah. walks around <laughs> and tries to chase them down and eat them. <laughs> yeah, it, it uses some really early kind of CG effects and it's really bad. The Mangler's, it's pretty atrocious, but it's also <laughs> worth a few laughs. Everything in that movie is so overacted, it's insane. Everybody is just freaking out constantly. Everyone is hysterical all the time. Like, Ted Levine is just losing his shit. And then, like, all of the laundry workers that he's trying to help, they're just losing their minds, too. Well, yeah, but again, you know, kind of like spontaneous combustion. It's understandable. Like, I get it. If if a mangler was uh if a laundry folding machine was killing people and had a life of its own, yeah, I'd be freaking out too. So Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's the Mangler. Hmm. I'd say uh I wanted to, to rewatch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 as well. I didn't get a chance to, but 
I would I would say if you're going through Hooper movies, uh, give that a watch too. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is like way different than the the first one. It's a <laughs> lot sillier, if that makes sense. It's it goes in a really different direction. Uh, which okay. when I first saw it, I was like, nah, not for me. But rewatching it years later, I uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's the one with Dennis Hopper. Yeah, I still wanted to see. Another one that we weren't able to get in. I wanted to see uh, Life Force. That yeah, Life. Good. Yeah, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, Life Force is his uh, his horror, uh, sci-fi horror movie about like va- vampire. Yeah, vampire alien things. Toby Hooper's done a lot of TV shows and things like that as well. Like he did, he did an episode of uh, Amazing Stories, one of my uh, yeah. all-time favorite shows loved, loved me some amazing stories and he did uh body bags it was a i think that was a show it was like an anthology series i started uh i got through about two hours of salem's lot what i saw of it decent it's um i think it was a tv miniseries it had to be yeah, yeah you're right yeah it had to be because there's because yeah, right. i didn't know i didn't know that going into it and there's like weird fade outs, like where commercials would be. And I was like, either this is a TV series or he's doing some really, he's making some really bad editing choices here. And then I looked at the runtime because I was getting pretty late and I was watching it. And I'm like, when is this movie going to be over? Holy shit. And I'd look at the runtimes. I got 45 minutes left and I'm like, nope, can't do it. But it's a pretty decent uh, vampire movie though. So I, I would give it a look. Just know that it's like three hours and seven minutes long. So what's your what's your take on Mr. Hooper? I, th- I always find him interesting. Look at that. Even even things that don't 100% work, which is mostly like the fun house. And a long time ago, a couple of years back, I saw his debut eggshells. Even the, those two movies to me just don't really work. But even with that, there's still there's still something interesting in there that makes for enjoyable film viewing experience. Right. I'd say the the weakest one though is the Funhouse, which just it, it stings a little bit because going in, that's the one I thought was going to be. I thought that was going to be the one. Right. But it turned out to be spontaneous combustion. <laughs> one of my new favorites, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Of obviously, you. I mean, there's not much more to say about that movie. That movie's just fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's it's still my number one horror movie of all time. I still adore that movie, and it's still so scary to this day. It's just the way it's, it's it's the grittiness, it's the griminess of it that was so heat. effective. It's like you can feel the humidity in that movie. Yeah. Oh, what a everything about it's just. What a what an incredible Terrifying. piece of cinema, really. Um, a lot of people say that his later films, his, his more newer titles, sort of fell off a little bit. His the last movie he did was in 2013 called Gin. I don't recall seeing it. I'll probably check it out at some point, but um, not very highly regarded. He also did a remake of Toolbox Murders in 2004 yeah but i'd also like to point out that spontaneous combustion on imdb has a 4.5 yeah people are crazy not Fuck. not loving spontaneous combustion Fuck you people 1695 of you averaging out to a 4.5 do you not recognize greatness evidently not <sighs> evidently not so that's the work <laughs> of toby hooper i would highly recommend checking out some of his movies i mean Especially if you haven't seen, I don't know why at this point you are listening to this and haven't seen Poltergeist or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but you know, start start with those. But there's a lot of there's a lot of other things that you can check out of of his filmography that I think you'll really enjoy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's move on and talk about some release dates. So this week, yeah. this week in theaters, we have ooh, what we got here? September fifth, we have the Atoning. Then on the 8th, we have School Life. We have The Limehouse Golem. We have Circus Kane. 
trophy, antimatter, second nature, fallen, and I think I'm missing other it. I'm missing it. I was like, I know there's a big one in there that I'm missing. Home again. That's the Reese Witherspoon one. I'm so excited for it, Kevin. You have no idea how excited for no. it I am. I figured you probably were. How are you? Are you into this? Have you seen trailers? You getting? St- I'll probably go see it. I mean, I don't. I don't think I'm, I'm not like really amped or anything. I'm, you know, I'm like mildly looking forward to it. I mean, we were just talking about my love for that Amblin aesthetic, and this looks like that. I mean, it really looks like that. It takes place in the '80s. Definitely has a Stranger Things. I mean, I, 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 f- I feel like they had to be influenced by Stranger Things as much as Stranger Things is influenced by these Amblin films of the 80s. Yeah. I feel like this seems to be influenced by Stranger Things. I, is, I think one of the kids from Stranger Things is even in it. I'd be surprised. Either way, either way, really, uh, really excited for this one. I figured you were going to be jazzed up for it. Yeah. It looks scary as all. Get out, too. And I, I like the original It. The uh, the original miniseries with Tim Curry, uh, Bill Skarsgård playing Pennywise in this one. Oh yeah, yeah. Doesn't even you can't even recognize him in it. Huh. Yeah. So I'll definitely be seeing it. Nine uh, Eleven. It's that uh, terrible Charlie Sheen, Whoopi Goldberg, Nine Eleven movie. Get the fuck out of here. That's getting a wide release. I don't understand how that's even a thing. I don't. This just. How did no one? How did no one step out and be like, "This is a bad idea"? Yeah, let's not do this. Crazy. And uh, that's pretty much it. Clowntergeist. There's a movie called Clowntergeist coming out. So there's a movie called Circus Kane, and then there's also a movie called Clowntergeist. Nice. So lots of lots of people cashing in on the it thing with the clowns. Good on them. Next week on VOD. We got The Atoning and Boomtown and Eight Assassins. Those three come out on the 5th. And then on the 8th, we have Fallen, Antimatter, September Morning, The Limehouse Golem, and Circus Cane. Any of those pique your interest? Mm-hmm. Limehouse Golem action? Can you check out some Limehouse Golem? Mm-hmm. No. It's a, like a period piece, horror, serial killer? No. Serial killer no. in old London? No. It sounds like a bunch of things that I do not Bill like. Bill Nighy. Well, I do like Bill Nighy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I might give, I might I give it a look. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. I'm sure you will. We'll see. Yeah, I tend to uh, watch a lot of this. It's kind of crap anyway. All right. Let's see what comes out on Blu-ray this week. We got The Atoning. We got... Ooh, Spooky the Square Pumpkin comes out. Nice. Sorry, it's called Spookly. Spookly, the square pumpkin. Ooh, that just actually made it better. Yeah. Austin Found with its awesome orange to white gradient background. Let's see what else we got here. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. That's the uh, that HBO film with Oprah. Mm-hmm. Chronically Metropolitan. The Skulls from 2000 getting a Blu-ray release. Ooh. Classic Paul Walker, Joshua Jackson. What's <laughs> hmm. Ryan into that? Uh, maybe I don't know. I remember watching it over at his house and just finding it to be so atrocious. Uh, a dark, right? a dark song comes out. This was, uh, this was actually quite good. Very good horror movie. Recommend that. Yeah. Megan Levy, uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Getting a Blu-ray release. Okay. All right. Mm, Blade Runner coming out on 4K. <laughs> Check that out. Maybe sucks. Yeah, we talked about it before on here. I'm I'm also not a fan <clears throat> of Blade Runner. I think that visually Blade it's incredible, but every time I watch it, the damn thing puts me to sleep. I don't understand. Because it's just fucking terrible. Terrible-ass movie. Yep. Great, uh, great design on everything. Just terrible. Everything else. For Richard Poor from 1997, starring Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley. Yes. <laughs> that comes out on Blu-ray. You remember, is that the one where Kevin Marcus yeah. was in it? Yep. He was like an actor. We talked about it before on yeah. the show. 
He fucking peaked in high school, mm. man. Uh, Vampire Cop from oh, 1990 comes out, as does Band Aid. Did you say van- Vampire Cop? Vampire Cop. Now that's a good idea. I like this. Oh, yeah. To have an affliction, but still try and do your day to day work. It's not easy being a cop, especially when you're a vampire cop like Officer Lucas. <laughs> is that? <laughs> that's that the synopsis. The... But, when, but with the city in the grip of a psycho drug kingpin. It's time to pull out all the stops and take a bite out of crime. Oh, I get it, because it's a vampire. Damn. It sounds amazing. Something tells me it's probably not going to be great. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm it was sure filmed in Florida and Georgia over 1989 and 1990 by writer-director and B-movie <laughs> legend Donald Farmer, the creator of Cannibal Hookers, Scream Dream, and Shark Exorcist. Oh, now, now, we're heading down into a rabbit hole here. But I have to take a look at Shark Exorcist <laughs> because that sounds amazing. I'm imagining like a priest underwater, you know, doing the exorcism. Full scoop here. Uh, yeah. Uh, that would be amazing. I hope that that's what it a is. A demonic nun unleashes holy hell when she summons the devil to possess a great white shark. Please remember this for Ryan. Oh, yeah. We can do that on Shark Week. Yeah, I'm definitely going to write that down. Shark Exorcist. Stay tuned. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, anything on the Criterion front coming out this week? Uh, we have one Criterion coming out, and that is Alfred Hitchcock, Rebecca from 1940. Mm. The Blu-ray. All right. Exciting. Did they release Did uh, they release a box set? Did Criterion release a Hitchcock box set yet? Uh, yeah, Wrong Men and Notorious Women. Five Hitchcock thrillers from 1935 to 46. Hmm. But that, I think that's one of those old... Yeah, that's like one of the old, old, old ones. Sets. Yeah, I don't even... That, yeah, that's out of print. I, I would I would Good love luck. for them to, to do a new box set, Hitchcock box set, because I love these Hitchcock movies so much, and I would love to have them collected. On one place. Yeah, like a really cool... Like they did with... Uh, what did they just really? Oh, that did you see that Olympic box set? Yeah, they, they did the Holy Olympic crap! Box. Oh my god! How many movies was it with Hitchcock? Too many. It's like a ton. It's, it's a ton of movies in this giant box set. Pretty incredible. All right, I think that's gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast. At filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We will see you next week.